Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Security Management Highlights. I'm your host, the security guy, Chuck Harold. The only thing that scares me is what I don't know. So when I don't know about something, I go and learn. Uh, and I think that's what pushes people to the positions where they uh, end up in, in positions like a CSO. You have to constantly try and learn and improve. Be humble and modest and and just always try and improve. And people recognize that and they will seek you out. You don't have to seek out those positions. They will seek you out. Today, we continue our special series, Leadership in Action, What I've Learned, with my special guest, Kathy Lanier, Senior Vice President of Security for the National Football League and former Chief of Police of the Metropolitan Police Department, Washington, D.C. Kathy, welcome to Security Management Highlights. Thanks for having me. You have such an amazing career in the background. And so the first thing I want to talk about are kind of some of your career lessons learned. So please share with us first your, your past professional experience. Wow. You know, the older you get, the longer this takes. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my past professional experience, I came... Um, I came up through the law enforcement world. So I was uh, a police officer in Washington, D.C. for 26 and a half years. I started back in 1990. I came on as a rookie like everybody else out of the academy. I walked a footbeat. Back in 1990, uh, Washington, D.C. was a pretty tough place. We were known as the murder capital of the world back then. So I walked a footbeat in, in the early 90s and um, went to school. So I was, uh, as I was working my you know evening job, I went to school on my days off and I took promotional exams uh, every time they came along because I was a single mom and I was looking for, well, a couple of things. One, I took promotional exams because I, knew I wanted to make more money to help take care of my son. But two, I realized that every time you take a promotional exams, there's that many less people, uh, I used to say less idiots to tell you what to do. So <laughs> I took promotional exams for two reasons. But so I, I worked full-time uh, as a police officer. I took uh, promotional exams uh, every couple of years, moved up to the ranks, sergeant, lieutenant, captain, very quickly. And uh, what, while I was going to school, I went back. So I started with a GED when I came on. Uh, so during the course of my career, I went back to school and I got a bachelor's and a master's degree from Johns Hopkins University in management. And then I got a second master's degree from the Naval Postgraduate School in National Security Studies, Homeland Security. So I stayed in patrol most of my career. Then I, once I reached command level rank, I, I ran major narcotics branch. So all the major high level drug organizations in the District of Columbia and those uh, cartels and chains that brought uh, drugs into the, our city from outside of the U.S. Uh, then I uh, oversaw a vehicular homicide unit for a couple of years. I was a district commander a couple of years. Uh, and then just after 9-11, our chief of police at the time asked me to take over the special operations division. A little intimidating for me as a young woman at the time. Uh, we'd never have had a woman in charge of, of SOD. This is all of your uh, for lack of better terms, your big testosterone-driven units. Uh, this is your bomb squad and your SWAT team, you know, the civil disturbance unit, the presidential protection unit, helicopter harbor, bomb squad, all that stuff. So I ended up taking that over right after 9-11 uh, and building a homeland security counterterrorism component to that to that unit. So I ran that for five years, and uh, then I became the chief of police in 2007. And I was the chief for the next 10 years. Historically, in the District of Columbia, as in most major cities, uh, every time there was a new mayor in office, there's a new chief. Um, I was the first chief in 150-year history to ever go beyond one mayor, and I worked for three. I had no plans of leaving. I, I loved my job. I loved my city. And uh, I got a, a call from the NFL saying they had a position open for the chief security officer, and they were interested to see if I would apply. I applied only really kind of as a joke to get at my colleagues who who uh, 
mostly male, as you imagine, thought, oh, my God, dream job. You got to take that. So I did it as a joke a little bit, but also as to, um, you know, I hadn't had a job interview in 26 years. So I thought it might be a good idea to get some practice. I really was very intrigued. I did 16 interviews up here in New York through several rounds and several hundred candidates I know that applied for the job. And um, was, to my surprise, uh, was offered a position here after that several months of rounds and rounds and rounds of interviews. So um decided to take it. So that's how I ended up here. Tell us how you kind of decided to switch this career path. That must have been a big decision. It was a terribly, terribly, terribly difficult decision. I loved being a police officer, and I've been a police officer my whole adult life. Literally, I started when I was 23. I never, I always worried about what I was going to do when I left policing because I loved it so much, and I 24-7 all the time for so long, and I just thought it would be so devastating to, to to leave and go do something else. And, you know, at the end of the day, people always say stuff to you like, you know, you know when it's time to go. So there was a little bit of a feeling of that. I mean, I liked the mayor I was working for very much and told her I would stay with her through her term uh, not too long before this offer came up. But, you know, I also have a family that I take care of. My mother's elderly. She needed increasingly more care. She was living with me. Um, very expensive you know, very expensive to have in-home care or care for the elderly. And I was eligible to retire from the police department and taking a second job would allow me the absolute best opportunity to care for my mother. And really that was the decision. You know, I, I took the police department job at 23 because I was a single mom and I wanted to provide for my son. And I took the NFL job at, you know, at 49 because I needed to care for my mom. So it's kind of a interesting path. So what would you say is the most important lesson you learned in your police career? that helped you, you know, transition and proved invaluable in your corporate career? Um, I think in my career in general, and I tell people this all the time, you know, I was very shy when I started in policing. And it's not a, policing is not a profession where you really can be shy long. <laughs> but there's nothing, nothing, nothing more valuable in any profession, in my opinion, than your ability to be a good communicator and to, to be thoughtful about how you communicate with people. Um, if you're going to be a leader, certainly, or a manager or, or a supervisor, good communications with the people that you manage and lead uh, is critical. Taking the time to explain things to people, engage them and involve them in process is really important. I think your ability to communicate effectively to your superiors what you need and why you need it so that you can get the resources that you need. Um, so communication to me is the number one single most important thing. You've got to be a really effective communicator. Who's been the most influential person in your career, you know, and or life or both and why? Well, that's, so it's easy uh, to, in some, to some degree. My mother and my grandmother, complete opposites. Uh, my grandmother, very tough, strong, hard charging woman who, you know, due to this situation back in the 40s, you know, I had to drop out of school and care for her eight siblings and go to work and care for her elderly parents. And just a strong, determined woman who had a very successful career. My mother, who's very shy and passive, but hell on wheels when it comes to being a mother. And she fought really hard to, to keep me out of trouble, despite my doing everything possible to be in trouble as a teenager, stand by me and, and keep me in the right direction. Uh, so I learned those are the people I learned the most from and respect the most. Although I had lots of really good mentors coming up through the ranks in the police department, and I have some here now. So I look for mentors. Um, Men and women, I can't say most, the majority of them were men coming up through the police department ranks because there just weren't, weren't any women. But yeah, so I think my mo my mother, my grandmother gave me the foundation to, to understand what's important in life and how to fight for things and yourself. And uh, then mentors taught me how to do things the right way. 
Is there anything you would go back in your career and change? Oh, Lord. You know, looking at where I am today, I thank God every day that I am as fortunate as I am. Uh, I started out a 16-year-old single mother with a ninth grade education, and I rose to be the chief of police in the nation's capital and had two master's degrees. So it's very hard for me to say that I would change anything because anything that I change would would change my trajectory. Uh, and I feel very fortunate. And I'm a proud mother of a son I love very much. So whereas people would say, well, wouldn't you go back and change not being a young single mother? No, actually, I wouldn't. Um, in my case, it probably saved my life and, and made me grow up and, and do the right thing and get my education. In my work environment, I made conscious choices to stay in operational units and be out there uh, hands-on operationally my whole career, never realizing I'd be the chief. At the end of the day, when I was a chief, that's what made it possible for me to be successful because I had that operational experience and people respect that if you're leading an organization. So yeah. define leadership in a personal way, not the textbook definition, but what does leadership mean to you? I often tell people when... Uh, they ask about things like leadership, at least in my experience in the police department, for sure. It seems like the people who their only desire is to be the boss, like, I want to be the chief. That's my job. I, you know, that's all I want to work for is I want to always want to be in charge. The, the people that that's their whole lifelong goal aren't always the best people. Uh, sometimes it seems like the people that really didn't seek out and look for those positions that end up in those positions turn out to be better because they appreciate it a little bit more. I know certainly in my case, I never thought about it or never sought out the positions, but I appreciated it so much more. It seems to make a little bit of a difference in the way I did things. For somebody who studied management at Hopkins, they probably roll over if they hear me say this, but I don't believe in leadership theories and I don't believe in leadership, uh, you know, the kind of focusing on leadership as as a as a thing, I, I think leadership really is being yourself. It's just truly the person that I want to follow, the person that I want to be. Uh, when I used to look at others that I worked for or others that were in leadership positions, and I would try and capture the things that I most respected, what I most respected and what I think matters most to me when it comes to leadership is being yourself. That might not be what other people think is chiefly or what a chief should say or do or you know, but but being yourself, being transparent, being honest, um, even when honest is not comfortable, being able to admit when you're wrong and change your mind. And, you know, I, I think those are all the things just just being yourself, being the number one principle. A lot of times people move into leadership positions and they feel like they've got to change who they are and act or perform in a certain way. And I think if you're really going to be an effective leader, it has to be in you. It has to be you you know, an open, honest view of you, because nobody can pretend but for so long. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. In fact, one of the questions was, which you answered, you know, is this, is leadership learned? And I think it's genetic. I think people just kind of are themselves, and that is attractive to people. Honesty is attractive, flawed or not. And that's what makes people follow you. I think that's very, very important. And to some, ex to some extent, I think it's a combination of the two. I think definitely it's genetic. It, either you're an honest, transparent, open person or you're not. Um, but I do think that you learn over time how to do things better. I mean, I, I learned over time, certainly a lot of things about, you know, being a better communicator and engaging people more. Even if I, when I had to make decisions that impacted a lot of people as the chief of police, obviously I make decisions that impacted 650,000 people. And some of those decisions, even though my instinct and my experience, and I felt very comfortable that the decision was the right decision. Taking the time to engage people and communicate with people before taking that action when it was possible 
was much more effective for me and, and made those strategies that I was trying to deploy or implement much more effective. And so that's something I didn't, was not inherent. And it's something you learn as a leader. So I think it's a combination of, you know, what you are and what you learn over time. So you've been in a leadership role a long time from my outside view, right? How long would you think you've been in a leadership position? Clearly, when you're 21 years old and a police officer, that is a leadership position. But do you have a different definition of when you first realized that? I didn't realize I was in a leadership position when I started in the police department. I was, you know, young and naive and, you know, kind of started the job with my eyes, you know, kind of bugging out of my head, you know, holy crap, what have I got myself into when I hit the streets in Washington? My first day walking a foot beat and there's a riot in Mount Pleasant. <laughs> we were at work for seven days in a full-blown riot. You don't realize you're in a position of leadership right away, but then you realize that you have authority. Um, your uniform really is the authority. You're not the authority. Your uniform and uh, those other symbols is what gives you the authority. But it took a while to really understand what it means or that what people see you as as a person to to follow. You know, I was a supervisor for three, almost three years, and then a uh, manager. I moved into a management rank. Oh, my God. So officially, uh, I'd say leadership role. I was 27 or 28 years old and still young and learning a lot about life and leadership, but I was in a leadership position. So I think there's a technical definition. And when I really matured and understood what leadership really means, that takes a little longer. What do you wish you would have known before you took your first official management position? Uh, you're not always going to be popular, and that's okay. It's okay not to be popular. It, it's okay to, um, you know, that's the hardest part about transitioning to management, I think, uh, is that people, to be an effective manager, you have to realize that I'm a real people person, and I have a lot of friends in the police department and very social and uh like everybody, nobody wants to be disliked, but you know there are ways to be a manager and be effective that are not going to make everybody happy, but also are, are perceived as reasonable and make sense. Um, so you're just you can't be afraid of everybody's not going to like me as, as a leader and as a manager. You're going to make decisions that make some segment of the people or the population unhappy and not like you, and that's just that's just life. That's the way it is. I mean, you have to make those unpopular decisions, and that's what you get paid for. Um, the way you go about Communicating and making those decisions uh, is important, but you know you're not going to be popular, and that's a hard thing to sell to some people. What do you think was the most difficult leadership skill to learn? I think the most difficult one to learn is that when you make mistakes and you're in a leadership position, of course everybody's going to see it. The most important thing you can do when you make a mistake in a leadership position is be the person that calls out your mistake and don't wait for somebody else to call it out. <laughs> I mean. I, I always like to tell them myself early in my career, you know, if I if I make a mistake, I don't want I want my boss to hear it from me. If I made a mistake in the decision as the chief of police, I wanted the community to hear it from me. I didn't want them to hear it from somebody else. I didn't so that's a tough thing. It's not pretty <laughs> to stand in front of people who trusted you, who follow you and say, you know what, I made a mistake. But once you do it, you realize that while people may be angry that you made a mistake, especially if they're impacted, they also respect the fact that you're honest and that you uh, weren't trying to hide it. Uh, so, and you respect other people enough to to to, to bring it up and tell them yourself. So, I, I think that's a hard one. So, let's say we talked to your subordinates one day. We we said, um, what traits or skills does Kathy have that you'd like her either to improve or sustain? What do you think they'd say? Hmm. 
they would like me to improve not being so involved in everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't have the time to micromanage and I don't have the patience to micromanage. And I'm not one of those real detail micromanage people, but I do want to be, I want to know everything that's going on. Uh, so my people spend a lot of time just making sure I'm in the loop because I'm a firm believer that the buck stops here. If I'm going to sit in this chair, there's never going to be a time that my boss is going to ask me a question or the public's going to ask me a question about something that's going on in my organization that I can't answer. And when I was the chief of police with 5,000 employees, I felt the same way. And I often would get people who would say to me that work for me, like, you don't need to know that. You don't need to know that. No, I, I really do. I'm accountable for what goes on in this organization. So I need you guys to keep me in a loop. So that drives people crazy. But <laughs> it, it's a pet, it's a pet peeve of mine because I don't ever want to have to answer to the public or to my boss and say, I don't know, because that's that's not leadership to me. Uh, and what I could sustain, I think people like the fact that I am kind of what you see is what you get. I like to joke around a lot. I like the workplace to be fun. You know, I like us to um, eat lunch together when we get an opportunity to do that. I like us to joke around, uh, you know, and here we'll throw the football around and break things. And, you know, so I think people appreciate that, that I want the work environment to be light and I want people to enjoy coming to work. Let's switch over to mentoring. So the security industry continues to evolve. What would you suggest young professionals seeking a career? What would you suggest they do to prepare themselves for these job opportunities and promotions? Your path was certainly uh, one way to do it, but are there some other ways that people might uh, might think about? I tell you, one of the best pieces of advice I got, and it made no sense to me when I got it, was if you're focusing your education for young people who are just getting their education now and going back to school, college. Um, you know, I started criminology, criminal justice administration, um, and somebody said to me, it was a, a captain when I was an officer who said, don't spend all your edu- get all your education on criminology and criminal justice. You, you're going to learn that here. Certainly you want the basics, but focus your degree on something else that you can use effectively here, but also can use somewhere else. And so I switched my focus to management. So I got my bachelor's and master's in, in management, and that has served me so well because when I interviewed for the NFL and when I came to the NFL, I think one of the things that's helped me the most is my background in organizational management. I, I understand, I mean, within weeks of being here, really made a comprehensive kind of reorganization. I could, policy development is something I understand and managing large amount of resources and budgets and things like that. So the, the management, the focus did not focus just on the security industry. Certainly you need to get the basics, but also diversify your portfolio a little, you know, like you would with anything else. And, and focus on other things that will help you in your career in security, but also could help you in your career after you, if you wanted to do something else. Did you have mentors in your career, police and security, and what was their impact? Uh, lots in police. You know, it was a combination of I would look at people who I thought were good to work for, that I enjoyed working for, and I would try and, you know, just capture what I thought was, God, I wish, you know, I could do that. I mean, uh, I wish I could be like that when, you know, work with somebody they never nothing seems to shake them their their personality their tone their voice nothing ever changes no matter how significant an event they're just straight keel even all the time i'd see somebody like that like that that's what i want to be so i I learned a lot of i would attach myself to mentors like that i would you know kind of pursue them and say 
not necessarily, you know, I want you to be my mentor, but I would just kind of follow them and ask them questions and watch them. I used to watch the old chief of police testify at council hearings and they just gave him the blues and he was so good at testifying. And I learned a lot from that. And then there were some mentors that came to me that just recognized that I worked hard. Uh, I had a boss when I was a sergeant who uh, said that I want you to take the lieutenant's test when it comes around. I said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to take it this time because people kind of give me a hard time for being such a young sergeant. Maybe I'll wait and let the test go by. I'll take the next test so I have a little bit more time on. And, you know, literally, he says to me, he says, well, that's bullshit. You're going to be a great lieutenant. And he says, here's where you go to get your study, you know, your study materials. And uh, when I came into work the next day and I hadn't gone to get the study materials, the study materials were on my desk. So, <laughs> I mean, he pushed me to do things that were that was beyond my comfort level to some extent. Um, and I had several mentors like that. I didn't have the confidence in myself in some cases. And the mentors would push me to do things uh, that they thought I had. They had confidence in me doing, but I didn't have the confidence, and and that really goes a long way. Do you think it's possible to have a successful career in security without a mentor, especially in this day and age? I really don't. I mean, and and if you do, why? I mean, if you do choose to try and do that, I, I don't know why you would. I mean, it's life is all about learning, and you should always be learning. And there's no better way to learn than from real real people. And there are people out there who really care and that are great mentors. Um, so I, I don't think there's any, I don't know why you would. <laughs> so what are the biggest changes you've seen in the security industry? Because you were certainly involved in security as a secondary thing as you, as chief of police, right? Going back that far, what have you seen in the industry? How has it evolved? Well, it, it started to evolve rather slowly. So I, I, I give a a speech that's really kind of remarkable to answer your question about, you know, how we evolved our crime fighting tactics to deal with the change in the criminal element. So, you know, we used to change our tactics about every 10 years. Crime patterns and crime tactics would change and then we would, you know, create new units in the police department and use new tactics and the criminals would then again start to evolve and get around our tactics and then, you know, another 10 years down the road we'd change again. You know, so the 90s was the drug wars and the RICO statutes and, you know, asset forfeiture and all those things we did to try and take the profit out of the violent crime driven by drugs. And, you know, then once that era moved on and we went into the next era, we started, you know, dealing with burglaries and fencing and th things like that. But now things are changing so fast. The cycle of change is no longer five to ten years. The cycle of change is five to ten weeks, if you're lucky. Uh, you, you know, by the time you figure out the technology that the bad guy is using to, you know, steal from an ATM or fence stolen property online on, on different apps, by the time you've figured that out, they've moved on to something else. Uh, technology is changing things so rapidly now, keeping pace with change is just incredible. So fundamentally, the technology that I was able to bring into the police department changed the way we policed and made us much, much more effective and efficient. But it's changing so fast now, trying to keep pace with it from a security perspective is really hard. What advice can you give our podcast listeners seeking a career or opportunities or entry in the security industry? There's so many places you can get into security now. So entry level, I would say it depends on what you, first and foremost, you need to think about what it is that you enjoy. If you don't enjoy your work, it's work. I've been working since I was 16 and I never felt like I've had a day of work in my life because I've always done something I, I love. 
And so there's a broad field out there. Are you interested in, you know, uniform guard type security? Are you interested in investigations type security? Are you interested in background investigations type of security? I mean, so what is it or what is the industry that you're interested in and what type of security does that industry need? Because cybersecurity is a, is a large and ever growing form of security. But I would say no matter what industry or type of security that you're interested in, you have to you have to incorporate cyber security into it because that's the way everything is, is going. There will no longer be in in another five years and probably sooner than that, uh, there will no longer be cyber and physical security. They will all be the same. Uh, so I think you really got to pick what, what industry or what part of that that you really like and do something that you're passionate about. In closing, what's the best advice you could give someone who wants to aspire to be a CSO, CISO, somebody at your level, a leader? Um, lifelong learning. You know, you never stop learning, and the only way to do that is continue to push yourself. Don't be intimidated by things. Um, when you see something, the only thing that scares me is what I don't know. So when I don't know about something, I go and learn. Uh, and I think that's what pushes people to the positions where they uh, end up in, in positions like a CSO. You have to constantly try and learn and improve. Be humble and modest and and just always try and improve. And people recognize that, and they will seek you out. You don't have to seek out those positions. They will seek you out. Kathy, it's been a pleasure having you on Security Management Highlights. Good luck in your career. I know we'll be hearing more from you, and uh, maybe we'll see you at GSX. All right. Well, I will certainly be at GSX, so I look forward to meeting you in person. Thanks, Kathy. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.